Thanks for checking out the Christian Life Austin podcast. If this is your first time listening, make sure to check us out at clcaustin.com for more info on how you can connect with us. We trust that you will enjoy today's message. Thank you for listening. My subject today is simply this, horses to ride. Everybody say horses to ride. There they are. There they are. There's your horses. There's the wild horses. Does that, does that get a hold of you and cause you to get kind of excited when you see that? I'm, I'm telling you, that, that's powerful to me. There's nothing more powerful to me than see those thoroughbreds race in the Kentucky Derby. And I've never wagered a dime on a horse race. But I think watching a horse run is one of the most powerful things, one of the most beautiful things that I've ever seen in my life. And so for that reason, I do watch the Kentucky Derby. I watch the Preakness and the Belmont. And I watch six minutes worth of TV there because I don't watch the prelims and all that. I just watch the race. But I love to watch horses run. I love it. I really, really do. I love to watch horses run in pastures. I love to see it. And Jaron put me up a beautiful picture here today, horses to ride. And I want to speak on that today with, with all my heart. So would you join somebody's hand and say, Pastor, preach to us today. Let the word touch my mind. Let it change my mind. Preach to us today. Let the word touch my heart. Let it change my heart. Preach to us today. Let me leave here a better person than what I was when I came in. Happy New Year, everybody. You may be seated. God bless you. God bless you. You know, I find it insightful and almost almost prophetic. It was prophetic. Even if it wasn't prophetic in the Bible, it was prophetic that Jesus... When he rode into Jerusalem at the triumphant entry, and yes, I'm talking about that, just that first part of that story today. We're not on Palm Sunday. But he rode on a beast of burden. He rode. Jesus went a lot of places on foot. But I find great delight in the fact that the Lord chose to ride instead of walk that day. He chose to ride. Because he truly was a prince of peace. Solomon has stated years earlier that he had seen an evil under the sun. And that evil was that he had seen princes walking and he had seen servants riding horses. He'd seen it reversed. And it was a good day, in fact, that Jesus, who was the prince of peace, did come in riding and not walking. But I'm taken back even further from his triumphant entry to the 14th king of of Israel, a man by the name of Hezekiah, who was a goodly king, who was God's best king, even above David. And when he and the Israelites were being invaded by the Assyrian army, and it was a bad invasion, it really was. The Assyrian army outnumbered the Israelites like 10 to 1. And those Israelites needed a little help. They really did. And it was in that time that God gave to Hezekiah a miraculous way to keep the city intact by running these these water supplies from the wells 1,770 feet under the walls And the Israelites never lost water and they never lost drinking facility because it was run by these conduits and the Syrians did not realize it. But as they came to approach, uh, there was a a man that that came to them that spoke from the army. He said, said, I want to give you some counsel. And he made this statement. He said, I will give you, this is in 2 Kings chapter 18 verse 23, I will give you 2,000 horses. I will give you 2,000 horses if you will be able to set riders on them. Now, what he was saying in essence was this. 
If you have the mindset to ride and to battle on the back of a horse, I have the horses to put under you for you to ride into battle. If you have the want to, he was saying, I have the power. If you have the desire, I have the fulfillment. God has called me to preach to this congregation today on this first Sunday of the year to help you better yourselves in this coming year. Now, I'm not one that ascribes to the fact that everything about 2016 was lost in my world. In fact, it was one of the greatest years I've ever had in my ministry. It was one of the greatest years this church ever had. We grew over 500 members last year, members in this church last year. I think that's incredible. But, but in overcoming the enemy, we need to get better and the flesh and the world and to live what I call an abundant life. Jesus didn't come just to give us life. He came to give us abundant life. And God has not only called me to preach to this congregation, he's called me to preach to the lost, to point toward a savior for full salvation. And I would not want to preach or the pastor, I would never want a preacher or a pastor who never spoke the language that I spoke, who did never tell me the truth, who, who did not provoke me to pray, who did not ring my bell or touch my heart or include me in the message. I am here today for one reason. As a dying man, I'm speaking to a dying generation who are eternity bound. And as a preacher of the gospel, I must preach the gospel. As a preacher of the gospel, I must preach the gospel. I have turned 67 years old. And last night, something happened to me at my house that was incredible. I don't know when it's ever happened. I know my wife has prayed for me, but last night, just out of the blue, I'm, I'm weeping about this. Forgive me, I'll get happy in a minute. But, but my wife laid hands on my head. And prayed for me and prayed an anointing over my life. Woo. And when I mean pray, she prayed. I think she shook me a little. She prayed over me. She said, God, let his mind be as young as it's ever been. Let his mind be fruitful. Let him have the will of God and the word of God every time he stands up to speak. And let him be like a 47-year-old man. I said, yes, Lord, amen, do it, Amen. And when she got through, I felt like I could conquer the world. There's something about a wife and a husband's relationship when they pray for one. That's why the Bible said two's better than one because when one's down, the other lifts the other and up. What a joy to have somebody in your life that'll pray for you. Wow. Well, I'm touched right now. My wife is sick today. She won't be here. She's very sick. She has the flu running a high fever for an adult. I was a preacher, folks, long before I preached. I received this call when I was 14 years of age. I did not preach my first sermon until I was 20, and I should have been 21 because it, it stunk. That sermon stunk. <laughs> but before I preached, I had to start thinking like a minister. I had to start acting like a minister, not one like this that goes around looking like this all the time. Hallelujah, glory. No, no. I had to start thinking like a minister. I had to start acting like a minister. I really had to start loving like one. I had to prepare before God gave me the power. I had to learn to ride. 
before God gave me a horse. Now, and I didn't learn to ride at that Walmart horse down there. It cost 25 cents to get on it. Well, I'm a preacher now. There were some prices to be paid. There were some decisions that had to be made. I realized that this wasn't going to be a retirement package plan. I wasn't going to get out of this when I was 50 and do 20 years of retirement. But I had to become a preacher before God allowed me to preach. Does that make sense? My preaching did not start with a revival. It didn't start with a camp. It didn't start with a crusade. Oh, I wish it had. It didn't start with a conference or a pastorate. I first had to become a minister on the inside with my heart and with my mind and with my thoughts and with my actions and with my mannerisms and with my outlooks and with my plans and my desires and with my future and with my faith. And when all that got in place, God then provided a horse because I had taken a lesson on how to ride, how to ride. Now, I've never been a good horseman. I never have. I've always loved horses. But I've been, I've been on the ground many times when I should have been up. I, should, I was down. I was riding one time when I was a kid, a bareback horse. I said, oh, I, my, my, my great uncle asked me if I could ride. I said, oh, yes, sir, I can ride anyway. He said, bareback. I said, oh, yeah, I can ride bareback. I was lying. I couldn't have more ride a horse with a saddle. But I didn't want to act like I was weak. And so he put me on the horse, and the horse started galloping. And I started holding on to the mane of the horse. And all of a sudden, that horse decided, I think I'll stop see if this kid can ride. And that horse just planted his front legs and, and put his head down, and I slid down. I just hit the ground right on my backside, and I looked around, and that horse kind of grinned at me and said, you can't ride yet, son. You just can't ride. But horses have always intrigued me. They really have. But after I became to myself what God wanted me to be in myself, then I became possessed with this desire to preach and to minister Van Clyburn is one of the greatest pianists that's ever played the piano. And one day a woman walked up to him. He's from Kilgore, Texas. And she said, you know, Mr. Van Clyburn, I would give my right arm to play the piano as greatly as you did, as you do. She heard him in a concert. And he looked at her and he said, ma'am, would you give eight hours a day for 20 years to play like me? Sure, it's easy to give your right arm. But would you play for 20 years, eight hours a day, every day? To play like me. You know what David only needed one, one stone to fell the giant? You know why? Because David had practiced. He had practiced. He had practiced. I don't ever remember seeing another shepherd in the Bible that carried a slingshot. Stay with me now. But David was practicing not to keep those sheep in check. Even though I'm sure he could hit, hit the, if one of them started wayward, he'd just say, uh-huh, I'm going to get you. Shoom. And that, that rock would hit right in front of that little sheep's nose and hit sheep would turn around head back. He said, got you. Didn't have to hit you, but I got you. But God had a horse for David to ride one day. And it was in the Valley of Elah. And if David hadn't have practiced, you tell me whatever you want to tell me. I believe that David's practice was what made that stone go on point. I believe God, yes, I believe God did direct David's steps, but I think David's practice is what brought that giant down. David had practice and he was ready to ride the horse that would defeat the giant in his life. 
And there's so many steps that I could talk about today, but I promise you, if you will learn how to ride, God will give you the horses in your life. Amen. You'll learn how to ride. I was in a, I was in a hotel several years ago. Uh, in 1985, I was being deposed. Uh, my wife and son's tragedy took place in 81. So Misty and I were down in Dallas being deposed by lawyers. There was, a, there was something we had to testify about during that uh, inquisition and all the stuff that went on. And so I was in the lobby of that hotel, and, and uh, it's an, an amazing thing happened. I met Robert Duvall. Yes, that Robert Duvall, the greatest actor, the greatest character actor ever in the history of, of, of Hollywood. And, uh, but, but, the, but, the, but the beautiful thing is that Robert Duvall met me. He's bald-headed too, so he didn't have no more hair than I did. But I went over to the desk, I saw him, and I told Mitch, I said, that's Robert Duvall. And, and for the life of me, that kid called him Duvall, Duvall, Duvall. And I, I'm so glad she never spoke to him while we were talking. Because he would have been embarrassed, somebody telling his kid that this was Robert Duvall. But anyhow, so I went over to the desk and the woman said, sir, do you know who that is right over there? And I said, yes, ma'am, I just saw him. She said, that's Robert Duvall. I said, yes, ma'am, I know that. She said, he just won the Oscar for Tender Mercy. I said, yes, ma'am, I know that. She said, would you get his autograph? I said, I'll do my best. So she gave me a piece of paper and a pen. And I went over to him and I said, Mr. Duvall, can I, can I introduce myself? He said, stop, stop. And I thought, oh, God, he's going to tell me to go on. He had another guy with him that was a disc jockey up there, and he was a son-in-law of Lefty Frizzell, the country singer. And he said, we've got this wager going on. We've got this wager going on. We've heard you speak, and my friend says you're an auctioneer. I say you're a preacher. What is it? <laughs> and I said, Mr. Duvall, I'm a preacher. He said, give me that $10. <laughs> and I want to say, give me a tithe, because you, you won the bet on me. And for the next two hours and 45 minutes, you know what he did? He tried to learn how to ride the horse. He tried to learn how to be a preacher. He said, I'm fixing to make this movie, preacher called the apostle. And I need to learn how to preach. Would you teach me? See, he met me. God gave him favor by meeting me. I just believe that. And I said, Mr. Duvall, I'll do my best. And for the next two hours, we talked about preaching. He talked to me. He said, do you like the way I stand here? Do you like this? Or am I too rigid? Am I... Lord, I was, I was telling an, an Academy Award winner how to act. And I said, sir, the best way to preach is not to act like you're preaching. The best way to preach is relax and just... And I said, just fall in love with Jesus that you're preaching about. He said, oh, my God, just fall in love with Jesus. And he preached, and I'd give him scripture, and he'd preach that scripture, and I'd give him another. And I said, sir, I think you can make the apostle now. He said, would you come and be in that movie? And I said, no, I can't. <laughs> no, I can't, sir. I can't be in no movies. I said, I, I'm afraid I'd be a bigger star than you. I, no, I didn't say that. <laughs> but you know what he was doing? He was an Academy Award winning actor. You hear me? And he wanted to ride a horse called preaching. And if you're going to get a horse, you've got to learn to ride before you get the horse. And here's what I want to tell you. Some people in this house, I want to tell you right now, you need to understand that if you want God to put the power in your life, to put the glory in your life, to put the commitment in your life, to put all those things in your life, you need to learn how to ride before God will give you the horsepower that you need in this life. 
I believe this. <laughs> I totally believe this. I believe with all my heart. God, that's a funny story, isn't it? Duvall met me. That sounds so cocky. God has so many things he'd like to give you. There's over 700 promises in the word of God. And every one of them are yea and amen. Say yea Yay. and amen. There's not one nay there. And if God takes no delight in my failures, and he doesn't, if he receives no joy from my inability and emptiness, and he doesn't, and if God has no delight in my wants, and he doesn't, then I must prepare to receive from God all the things he has for me. See, our problem is we want the horses first and then learn to ride. We want the promise, uh, we want the blessing, and then we'll labor. We want the prosperity, and then we'll work and tithe. We want gain and then investment. We want to get things and then deserve them. We want position first and not responsibility. We want possession before purchase. But if you're going to have a horse in your life, you're going to have to learn to ride it. Hallelujah. And I believe with all my heart, it's, there's no greater time than the first Sunday of the brand new year to say, I have crossed the line. I've made up my mind. This is what I'm gonna be. No more waffle, no more waver in my walk. No more stumbling blocks. Everything's gonna be a stepping stone. I will live for God. I will make the right choices. I will do the right thing. I will prosper. I will be blessed. I will uphold the kingdom of God. And before you know it, every decision like that brings a powerful surge. I will, I will, I will, I will. A couple went to a pastor several years ago. That pastor was my, was my father-in-law. These are worrying me to death, guys. Would y'all help me here? I usually give them to, there you go. Thank you, buddy. That, that keys are rolling off. My chapstick's rolling off. <laughs> Devils in that table right there. That's why some people see it. A couple went to my father-in-law several years ago. My father-in-law's been gone for several years now. And they wanted a child. And uh, they wanted more than anything. And the wife said, Pastor, can you pray for us? Can you help us? And, they, and then they said, what would you do if you was us? And the pastor said, well, first of all, let me, I will pray for you. I, I admire your request. But you have, to, you have asked me, what would I do? So here's what I would do. First... I would buy all the good Christian books on parenting I could buy. I'd prepare myself on how to be a parent. Second, I would watch all the mothers that are doing a good job raising their kids. Like whose kids are not throwing fits and whose kids are dressed up sharp and they want to come to church and they want to be here. I'd, 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 I'd zero in on those mothers. And third, I would talk to them to get their secret. And the couple interrupted them and said, Pastor, we're not able to have children. You don't understand. He said, but you asked me what I would do if I was in your shoes. That's what I would do. I'd get a book, I'd watch mothers, and I'd talk to them and get their secret. And, she, and, 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 and he said, no, you don't have children now, but if you'll start doing the things that I've told you to do, before you know it, you're going to have a child. And they started doing that. And they'd come up and say, you like this book, Pastor? We got this new book on parenting. You like this one? And Pastor, we have locked in on this couple, this couple, this couple. Boy, we love their kids and we've been asking for secrets. And before you know it, an adoption agency opened up and they got a child. Amen. They got their own child. And now 
that woman has had seven biological. <laughs> they got eight kids. Here's what I want to tell you. If you prepare to ride, God will give you the horses to ride. Decisions bring horses. And when you make proper choices, God gives you power to make the choices work in your life. When you don't make choices, you'll not have power. But when you choose to say, I'm going to learn to ride, God will say, I got a horse for you, and it's going to go forward in your life. Amen. Amen. I had a couple back in Dallas years ago, back in the 70s, I was pastoring. I was too young to pastor, but I, I was in Dallas. And, and I went to one of my couple's house. They wanted me to come dedicate their house. They had bought a new house. And I went in there, and I went, I'll go through every room. They said, Pastor's going, I pray for every room when I go pray for a house. I pray for every room. I walk through, I just kind of pray quietly. Then I'll gather the family together, and I bless the house and the living room all together with the family. And I walked in a back bedroom, and there was a, there was a bassinet, a baby bed. There was a, a changing table. The room was pink. And I came out of that room feeling goosebumps. I said, I didn't know y'all had a child. And they said, Pastor, we don't have a child. And I said, who painted that room? Did y'all buy it like that? Did that convey? She said, no, Pastor. We decided when we got this new house, we was going to have new faith. God have mercy. And said, we believe God's going to give us a baby. We're just going to believe that. Well, what do you do as a pastor? You say, well, you might ought to just get out of that baby business because you don't have one. No, I came right out in that living room and I said, God, bless this house with protection. Bless it with provision. Hallelujah. And bless it, oh God, with prosperity. But God also bless it with babies. And you know what? I looked at that couple and I said, in about a year, y'all gonna have a baby back there. Get ready. And they went excited. Then I went crazy. I said, God, I hope I spoke on your behalf. But you see, I didn't start preaching at a conference, at a camp. I started preaching inside. I learned to ride before I got the horse. Hallelujah. And the next year, they had a baby, bouncing baby boy. And I went over. I said, "Uh uh-oh, you missed. You got this room pink. They said, Pastor, we decided to keep it pink because God's not finished giving us babies yet. Hallelujah. Somebody needs to say glory right now. He said, I got 2,000 horses, and if you want to ride, I promise you, if you'll learn to ride, I'll give you the horsepower to ride, and you can win the war in this life. You know what I see it as? I see it as a forecast and a forecoming of when the Lord comes back in the millennial reign, when he, he comes on that white horse, and the saints of God are going to be behind him. We're going to be riding horses. You know, you know, you know, you know who's going to be a saint? Saints are going to be those people that overcame, that didn't let things put them under, that didn't let things step on them, but they stepped on it and moved on. Saints are going to be those kind that said, I don't care what happens in my life. I have chosen to follow Jesus Christ. I have made my choice. I, the die has been cast. The lot's been said. I'm here and I'm going to live for God and I'm going to grow in favor and in knowledge and in wisdom and stature with God. Somebody say amen right now. God wants to give this church some horses to ride, to ride, to ride. As it is in parenting, so it is in business. If you're going to start a business, you need to learn everything you can, every acumen you can get, everybody you can talk to, everybody you can speak to. 
You need to go in like a child saying, I got questions. People used to love me when I was in school because I asked questions. I'd raise my hand. I made myself look dumb and feel dumb sometimes, but I knew everybody in that class had the same question. They're just too stupid. No. no. <laughs> too silent. And I'd look around and I'd say, every one of you don't. I said, one of you answer this question for me and I won't ask the teacher. And nobody could. But they just didn't want to say, I don't know the answer. There's some things, folks, we don't know the answer for. But I promise you, if you make decisions for the Lord this year, God will give you the power to overcome the things that you don't know how to answer yourself. And he'll give you the victory that overcometh the world, even our faith. Amen. 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 Oh, God, I'm so glad my daughter didn't hear me say that word. Doctors go to school 10 to 12 years, a lawyer 8 years, an accountant 5 to 6 years, a veterinarian 6 to 8 to treat cows and dogs and monkeys. I don't want a doctor without a degree or a lawyer who has not passed the bar or a quack veterinarian. And yet the most important job that we have in our life, other than being married to one another, is raising children. And we try to learn on the run. Listen to me. I want, to, I want to talk to you about your kids real quickly. You need to ask God to give you a heavenly insight on how to raise your children in this world that we're living in right now. A heavenly insight, a heavenly insight, not an earthly insight, a heavenly insight. God, give me the words and the way to raise my children. And when you ask, when you start preparing yourself for that, God will give you the horses to ride and you'll ride those things in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. During World War II, the fighting was bitter. The war waged long. There was a lot of people that died in the war. And a lot of people would not see their, their kids ever again. But one little mother in the Midwest, I read her story years ago. One little mother in the Midwest went to her son's bedroom and started mopping it and started sweeping it every day. Preparing the bed, making up the bed every morning like he's coming today. Every day mattered in her world. And one day she heard footsteps on the porch after months of not knowing if he's going to come home or not. And she opened the door and there he was. He said, Mama, did you expect me? She said, Oh, honey, go into your room and see if I expected you or not. Said, Everything's ready for you. Everything's waiting for you. All you got to do is just go in and pull your uniform off and become civilian. You're a part of the family again. Here's what I want to tell you, folks. God's blessings do not come by accident. God's horses do not come by accident. If you want to learn how to ride, God will give you the horses that will take you to the other side. Amen? There is a power that only he can give. There is a strength that only comes from him. But the decision making comes from us. But when you make that decision, God gives you the power to see that decision fulfilled in your life. Would you say amen to that? A little widow woman in 2 Kings chapter 4, I'm almost finished, was about to lose her sons to the bondman. And Elijah asked her what she had in her house. She said, nothing, save a pot of oil, save a pot of oil, save a pot of oil. I have nothing, save a pot of oil. And he said, well, do me a favor. What do you want me to do? He said, go find vessels, all the vessels you can find. And take that oil that you have and start pouring it in those vessels. And the Bible said that she went out and found vessels that were empty and she poured. And every time she found a vessel 
Every time she found a vessel, as long as she was preparing, God gave her the power. He gave her the horses. She kept pouring, kept pouring, kept pouring. And finally, her little boy said, Mama, I've gone five blocks every direction, and everybody's run out of vessels. And when they run out of vessels is when they ran out of oil. You hear me. When you are preparing, when you're pouring yourself out into this thing called the kingdom of God, when you're giving of yourself and you're filling vessels and you're emptying yourself and you're saying, God, help me in any way that I can be helped. I need help in my life. God is seeing you as being poured out, being poured out, being poured out. And he will continue to prepare vessels for you and your life will grow exponentially like the vessels in the woman's house. I'm telling you, you make the choice, God gives you the power. You make the decision, he'll give you the horse to ride. That's just the kind of God we serve, amen? man. That's the kind of God we serve. That's the kind of God we serve. He's that kind of God. I'm going to prophesy here just a moment. I'm going to prophesy here just a moment. I'm going to prophesy here. Let me, let me pull back here just a minute. God told me this week, I have 2,000 horses to ride. Can you find riders? I believe with all my heart that there is a 10,000 soul Revival. Waiting for this church. This church. I may not have any takers. It doesn't matter. I will stand alone and declare it. Because I have learned that I can have that kind of faith and it doesn't hurt God. I have learned that I can trust him that much and it doesn't condemn him. And I've learned that I can believe in the miraculous for this city and for this state and for this nation. And God says, ask and it shall be given. Seek and you shall find. Knock and it shall be opened. And I'm knocking and I'm seeking and I'm asking. And I'm telling you, Lord, whatever it takes, whatever it takes, I'm going to learn to ride that kind of wave of revival. There's a tsunami coming to Austin, Texas. There's a wave of revival coming to Austin, Texas. And I want this church to be in the middle of that huge revival burst that's going to come to this city. I do not want us to be a lagging standard. I do not want us to lag in the back. I want this church to understand that there's an explosion of revival that wants to happen in this place. There's a realm of revival that wants to happen in this place. There's a move of the Holy Ghost that wants to happen in this place. And God's going to do a great work. God's going to do a great work. And on a Sunday when we don't have all of our people here, we're half full, I still declare that where two or three are gathered together in my name, there will I be in the midst of that people. If you learn to ride, I'll give you the horses. I will give you the horses. I close today. I close today. I need to close. An old man dreamed he went to heaven. And when he got there, when he got to heaven, he walked from room to room and he saw a very large room full of gift wrapped boxes in all sizes. Looked like Christmas time in heaven. And he asked the Lord about that room with all the gifts and boxes. And the Lord answered, those are gifts and presents that I wanted to send my kids. And no one ever asked for them. I read someplace, you have not because you ask not. Favor belongs to God's children. 
If you'll learn to ride, God will provide the horses. Randy, if you'll help me. I close. There's a beautiful passage in the book of Acts chapter 1. Beautiful passage. The Bible said Matthias was chosen as an apostle to replace Judas. But there were two men that were picked that day that the lot was going to be cast. In other words, they were going to put their names in a bag and whatever name came out of the bag was going to be the next apostle. And the two men were Joseph, whose surname was Barsabas, Justice. Three names. Joseph, Barsabas, Justice. And the other was a man named Matthias. But Peter, for some reason, started declaring the qualifications of what it took to have that vote of power and confidence in your life. And he said, if a man is going to be chosen as the next apostle, a God-called man is chosen. He has to have two things in his life. Number one, he has to have been with the Lord. Watch this now. Every day from his baptism to his ascension. Every day. That's three and a half years. Every day. Every day. Every day. You have to be with him every day. See the miracles. Understand what God's up to. Understand where he's going next. You have to be there. And then you have to be a witness of his resurrection. Folks, that's three and a half years of every day learning how to ride the power that was to come. And when the lot was drawn, no, it wasn't a man with three names that had a lot of titles and a lot of dignity, but it was a man that was faithful. It was a man that was with Jesus when he was down at Capernaum. And he said, who do men say that I am? And the 12 said, some say you're a prophet, some say you're Jeremiah, some say you're Elijah, some say you're John Baptist. He said, who do you say that I am? And I could see Matthias in the shadow raising his hand. I wish he'd call on me. But Matthias wasn't in that inner circle. He wasn't there. He wasn't there. And Pete said, thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. You are the Christ. You are the Christ. You are the Christ. God bless her. God bless her. God bless her. God bless her. You are the Christ, the son of the living God. When he raised Lazarus from the dead, Matthias was peeking behind the rocks in the cemetery saying, I know what's fixing to happen because I've watched him. And Lazarus came forth and Matthias rejoiced. But he wasn't with the inner circle. He wasn't with them. At Gethsemane, he was somewhere. But he wasn't with the, the 11. He wasn't with the eight or the three. But he was there. And when the day came, God said, I'm fixing to give you full apostolic authority. Matthias stepped up. And one of the foundations will bear his name in the new Jerusalem. Because he learned how to ride. Hmm. He learned how to get up. He learned how to keep going.
He learned how to persevere. He learned how to endure. He learned how to keep going. He learned how to never stop. He learned how to understand that this thing is not a dash, it's a marathon. And I am going to continue in the kingdom of God. Oh, by the way, Matthias, your name has been drawn because I'm giving you a horse now. I'm giving you something powerful in your own life. Yeah, that's what it's about. So on this first Sunday of the year, I wonder how it feels, how it feels just to say, I'm going to make my choice. I'm going to make my decision. God's going to empower that decision and I'm going to live and do the right thing the rest of my days. I have determined this will be a banner year for me. Next Sunday, we're talking about big rocks. And God's going to help us with big rocks next Sunday. Would you stand all over the building? Amen. You're awesome people. And I love you. Everybody say, God's got the horses. We need to learn to ride. We need to learn to ride. Amen. 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 Somebody say, Pastor, how do you soul win? It's very simple. Soul win is very simple. First of all, you've got to learn to smile. Second of all, you've got to learn to like people. And thirdly of all, you've got to learn to love Jesus. Then you smile, like people, and love Jesus. And before you know it, they're sitting beside you in church. Pretty simple. But you've got to learn to ride before you'll ever get a horse. That's how it works. Bow your head and close your eyes and join hands with somebody beside you. Father, you're better to us than we are ourselves. And I love you. And I thank you for this morning. I thank you for this beautiful second service. I thank you for the first day of the year and for the joy that I feel in preaching this gospel. I love to preach your gospel, Lord. I love it. I love it. I love it. I love to talk about the kingdom. I love to talk about the goodness of God. I love to talk about what you have in store for us. I love it. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Thank you for the care that you've given to us. Thank you for the healing that you've bestowed upon us. Thank you for salvation that's been brought to us. Thank you for grace that's undeserved. The undeserved favor of God is grace. And that concludes today's message. Please visit clcaustin.com for the latest news, to register for an upcoming event, or to support the Christian Life Ministry through our online giving portal. Thank you for listening.